And now I believe we have Blake Lovell. Blake, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, doing well, guys. Uh, I was going to make a joke about Forever March Zach, but uh, that one flew the <laughs> flew like you know a minute ago. That, that joke's done now. I can't <laughs> use it anymore. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, one of those things that you know, I, it was probably hilarious, Blake. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a laugh just because I know it was funny. <laughs> it it yeah. was great. Like it was something about the ratings of Forever March, but again, it just it doesn't work out. They so. could not have been lower. I mean, that is the yeah. real truth. If the, that's the sad clown in the room. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's let's talk some college basketball. Uh, world of college basketball right now. It, where where do we stand heading towards March right now, Blake? It's I mean it feels like you can now that football is almost completely on the back burner with the Super Bowl being this Sunday. What is your vibe on this college basketball season? It feels like people are starting to ramp up. I'm starting to see a lot of it, especially on the betting side right now. What has been your vibe of just kind of monitoring all of college basketball as we're getting closer to March? Yeah, I mean I think there's you know there there seems to be a pretty clear line of teams at the top um but i think what we have quickly realized is even the teams behind those top several teams you know whether it's purdue or alabama or houston or kansas or you know teams like that i think it's the teams behind them let's say the next eight to ten teams don't feel like they're that far away um and so i think you know we always go into the this part of the year talking about right i mean it's like anybody can win it but i think this year is a very interesting scenario because you've just got a lot of teams that um, feel very grouped together again outside of maybe a Purdue a, a Houston and Alabama teams like that but I think that's what sort of stood out the most is there's you know beyond just those teams I don't think there's anyone that's just that dominant that you put them in a, a 5-12 game or a you know a 3-14 game and it's the wrong matchup and they can't get beat so I feel like that's sort of where we are entering this this stretch in February. A uh, lot of host of SEC games currently that's going to be happening tonight. One, obviously, that's going to be happening down the road. Tennessee and Vanderbilt going back up at it again. This is Vanderbilt getting them on home court. I know the line has Tennessee at minus 10.5, but it seems like Tennessee's been playing teams a whole lot closer as of late, especially going back to Auburn, which I think they were a 9.5-point favorite at home in that one, and Auburn able to – they still lost, but they, they were inside that 9.5. Where are your thoughts on that game tonight? Well, I feel like the last time we talked, I said, just just watch. This thing's going to be close because it's just how it works with, with Vanderbilt. And, you know, since then, they, they've made me question that a little bit in terms of a 57-point loss to Alabama last week. And <laughs> I don't know if you can still use the, the same arguments uh, necessarily if Tennessee's playing well. Then, you know, maybe they do win this going away by 15-plus. But the, the problem with that becomes <laughs> – Tennessee's offense, uh, to be able to do that, Tennessee's got to score consistently. And I don't know right now if there's a lot of trust in that because you're talking about a team that's combined to score 100 points in their last two games. They scored 54 against Florida, 46 against Auburn. Um, obviously, one's a win, one's a loss. And what's interesting about that as well, right, is one's a win and one's a loss. Like, Tennessee won a game scoring 46 points. Um, that's because they're, they're so good on defense. They're a historically good defensive team. So I think that becomes the issue for Vanderbilt. Not necessarily, you know, I don't think Tennessee's going to have to hit the 80-something point mark to win this game because I think their defense will be good enough to slow down this Vanderbilt team, and they, they typically play well in Nashville, as we know, because it becomes a, a home game for them, given, I think, the state of where Vanderbilt's at as a program. But 
Um, maybe it is more interesting than we think, but I just, boy, Tennessee loses this one. Time to hit the panic button for the Vols. Panic button in what regard? Like, Rick, like well, Rick, you got to go? <laughs> I mean, no, panic button for this season, I think, yeah. has to be hit if they lose this game. Because it's like, and especially if they don't play, I think maybe even if they win the game, and I sure, hopefully it's not going to be 46 to 43. I don't think so. But, like, if they win a game where they just can't score again, and let's say they just, you know, make a few baskets down the stretch, went by five or seven or something, and they put up 58 points, like, then I think it's still maybe not full panic button, but your your hand's going down. Like, it's it's getting there because this is a team, you know, like it or not, like the aspirations have to be to win a national championship because you're a top-five team, um, you know, somewhere in there. So you, I think if, if that's where you are, that, that's your expectation, right? You have to get to the Final Four. So, like. Can you expand on Tennessee's struggles offensively? What is it? Are they just not knocking down the shots they usually hit? Is it their take? Like, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe they're like a, a slow possession team where – the, at least these past few games where the clock's just in the, kind of not playing it to a favor of a 70-poor game, I, I'm not entirely sure what to expect tonight. Yeah, it's uh, I mean it's hard to know when a team's coming off of shooting 9.5% from the three-point line and still winning the game. Again, <laughs> um, that's, that's important to point out. They, they still won. Yeah, um, shooting that percentage. So, I mean, I wish I had the full answer because I think it's the same question the Tennessee fans have asked over the years when – they find themselves in these spots under Rick Barnes. And, you know, I, I don't know, is it a Rick Barnes thing? Is there something they do? Um, you know, maybe their offense, the way they start a game or way they finish a game is different. You know, do they do different things to try to, you know, I, I don't know, do they get conservative? Like there's so many different questions you can ask about this team, but I just think it's kind of a fascinating thing where for some reason they hit these stretches where they just cannot hit shots. And, you know, offensively, you can, I think you can make the claim offensively that some of these guys are playing above maybe, you know, look, all these guys defensively. I put the stat out there the other day. Tennessee has, if you look at individual defensive ratings in the SEC, Tennessee this season has the top four. Four guys individually are the top four defensive players in the league if you just look at the advanced ratings. Like that is, again, historical. Like we're talking, we've never seen that before. So, is it just you have so many great defensive guys? That's their specialty. That's what they do well. They all mesh well together from a defensive standpoint. And maybe, again, some of these guys at times have played above what maybe their ceiling is offensively. And maybe that's what Tennessee's running into now as they play some of these better defensive teams. Florida and Auburn, two of the best defensive teams in the country. So you run into two teams like this, maybe that just starts to show where you're not hitting shots you can't find other ways to score. And I just think, you know, if that three-point element's not there, which for Tennessee, it's been off and on, um, that removes an equation from the game that's so important. And so I don't know the answer, but I think it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. Blake, what do you think about uh, Jerry Stackhouse searching up his name on Twitter, watching every show, and if they disagree with him, he blocks or unfollows them, as he did with oh, myself. Boy. Oh, boy. Um <laughs> Got to be I careful what you say, Blake. You got to pre- you got to really You're preface up next. this. You're on the chopping block, baby. <laughs> I, I did see this the other day, and I, I 
I would lie if I said I didn't have a bit of a smirk on my face when I, I saw this on Bruno's Twitter feed. But, um, Why? My downfall? Is I, that funny? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. And I honestly don't know how this came across because I'm looking at it now. I, do I not follow you? Okay, Bruno is getting a follow. Right? It's okay to follow people. What's is Twitter down? Twitter's, Twitter's down. down. Twitter's like, down yeah, right now. Okay. Don't worry All right. about it. Yeah. Okay. I tried I, I tagging you like 40 reason. times just to get our numbers up. Okay. And we do it. I thought I'd block Bruno or something. So I, I wasn't <laughs> sure. But. Um, I mean, I don't know what's going on here, guys. You, you I mean, this is, um, again, the, the state of the program right now is interesting, as we know. And I don't, you know, it's, it's funny because, like, I'm talking about this the other day, and it's like, you know, we're recapping all the games we usually do. And we get to the Vanderbilt Ole Miss game, and it's like, well, on the, the positive note, right, you just you came from a 57-point loss to winning a game. It, it, that in and of itself is great. Mm-hmm. But – like what is what gets you excited about Vanderbilt basketball right now like that's the question I don't know that anyone can answer with full confidence because I think you know again and you can talk about the stack house equation you talk about all these other different things but it's just what is it that is going to push them back to being a team that is in the the upper echelon of the SEC year in and year out and, and I don't have the answers to that right now and I don't know who could possibly with confidence answer that and say here is the method that they are using or they're going to be able to use to outperform Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn, maybe Kentucky at this point, um, Arkansas, Missouri is on the rise, as we know, Florida getting there, Mississippi State, I think, is getting better. You know, as we look at the coaching roster and all these things moving forward, transfers, ability to get freshmen, which Stackhouse has done a good job of, don't get me wrong, but – what is going to be the thing, you know, that catapults Vanderbilt back to being a, a program year in and year out that can, can be on the NCAA tournament bubble? I don't know what that answer is right now. And I know this kind of took the question in, in a different direction, but, like, mm. that's part of the, the, the equation is where the, the, the confidence level from the fans right now. Is it there? Of course it isn't. Um, and that's what I think they have to prove down the stretch here is to see can they do something – that will get people excited heading into the off season. And if, if he's back heading into next season, what is it they can do to get people excited? Cause right now, maybe it's a win over Tennessee tonight, guys. Like maybe that's it. Maybe that's the launching point, but I don't know what it is right now. Talking with Blake Lovell. You can follow him on Twitter. If that's still working at V Blake level, managing <laughs> editor for the Southeastern 14. I, I, one of the last tweets I saw before it went down, uh, it actually came from BBN. So I, I, I saw a lot of people, obviously, the loss last night against Arkansas. It, it seems like there's a lot of the blue mist out there talking about firing possibly Calipari. Is there any shot that that happens this season? Because they are turning on him pretty quick. Well, I don't – I can't imagine that because of the contract. Like, mm. I just – Again, they gave him a lifetime contract. Let's not forget that. Like, they basically gave this guy a lifetime contract. So, if Kentucky's going to make that move, and I I said this to someone earlier, it's like, if you're going to go that route and you're going to spend all that money, which I just think is – the guy has the number one recruiting class coming in next year, but it's not just the number one recruiting class. Like, it is a – it is an unprecedented recruiting class, even for Kentucky standards. Like, it's just – if they don't win it all next year, something's wrong. Uh, but you know what? We've been saying that year before, maybe, um, about Kentucky. I, I can't imagine that's the route they go in unless this team just completely falls apart down the stretch and 
not just misses the tournament, but misses the tournament by a considerable margin, then I think it's, hey, maybe the two parties come together in a back room and say, you know what, we'd like you to leave. And so maybe you help us out and go find another job. Um, Because if we fire you, you know, Cal's not going to budge on that. He gets a lot of money no matter what. So um, I don't think they're firing him, but I do think this continues to get more and more strange in terms of how this could play out because I think the, the, the move that is going to precipitate probably the, you know, the easiest transition for both parties is if Cal takes another job. But I don't know what that is because, you know, we talked about Texas a while, but I don't think that's Texas anymore because I think Texas is going to wind up, you know, giving the job to the interim coach. And so I just don't, I don't know that that's an, an option, but maybe he goes to the NBA. Maybe he decides, you know what, I have to step away. This just isn't for me anymore. Um, he's stepping away from a lot of money if he does that. And so it's getting interesting in Big Blue Nation. Uh, they want to win it all every year, and they may not make the tournament. If they play right now, they wouldn't be in the tournament. So um, maybe it does get that crazy to where they have to make a move. It's, I mean, look, I I could care less if Kentucky does well or whatever happens with Kentucky. I live for coming on air the next day after John Calipari is fired just to talk about it. I mean, I'll be honest. That is, I'm not saying I'd revel in it of a man losing his job, but uh, just to watch that whole fan base implode would be tremendous. Because the other side of it, Blake, he he would have a job immediately if he wanted. Somebody, he would have another big-time job right away almost. This is what I keep telling people. It's like, Kentucky fans, it's fine for you to tell me that you think he needs to go, but I would like you to convince me who the guy is that is going to take the job, not who you want to take the job, mm-hmm. not, you know, Brad Stevens or Billy Donovan or those guys, like guys who are actually going to come there and take the job, Like, give me that list. And then I'm willing to listen to that conversation, but you can't just say he's got to go without any sort of idea of where they're going next. And it's like, you don't just make a move to make a move, right? You make a move because you know you have someone that can come in and do as good as he's done from a talent standpoint, from a winning standpoint, whatever, or better. <laughs> like, so that's a, I mean, in, in Kentucky standards, maybe that pull is bigger than, you know, people would think. But in the standards of what other programs have achieved, whew, like that's, that's a lot to ask for whoever the next guy is. But again, that's, that's in Kentucky's, the ball's in their court, right? In terms of what they could do in that scenario. But it's, it could be interesting. We'll see. I'll, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, Blake, on the eve of one of the biggest weekends in sports period, who do you have winning the Super Bowl? I go with what I what I know and what I've seen. And as I, I told someone earlier, um, I've seen Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in this scenario before. Now, yes, I've also seen him a couple of years ago against the Bucs, um, but – I just tend to trust them more. Uh, and, you know, you talk about, I'm saying that against an Eagles team that just won 38-7 to and 31-7 in the other two games, in their two playoff games. So it's like, do I really know what I'm talking about? I mean, this is why I talk about basketball, right? Um, but, like, I just – I think you – in this kind of game, to me, that feels like a toss-up, take the best player, take the best unit. I think the Chiefs offense is that. Like, they have the best player. I think they have the best unit in terms of how they attack – the, the Eagles, I think they actually possibly can get a running game going against the Eagles a little bit. Um, but on the other side, you know, A.J. Brown's there. And boy, I'm opening up a can of worms, I know, for people around here. But um, he's a game changer at any time. He can make a big play. 
And so I think this one will be a lot of fun, guys. Oh, Titans hell. That's that's just what that'll be if the, the Eagles win with saying, A.J. Brown. Trey Smith, A.J. Brown, these are all names that have fallen to the Bruno Reagan. So, <laughs> Vanderbilt beat him, baby. Uh, hey, Blake, we appreciate you jumping on. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at the Blake Lovell, managing editor for the Southeastern14.com. Thanks so much, Blake. Thanks, guys. Always good to have our weekly hit. We usually do it on Tuesdays, but had to move it over to today.